Well, I'm clearly the most nervous person in the place. Uh, there's no way for you to know what a privilege it is for me to be here today. Thank you for the opportunity. Please take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 40. I don't know, although I can guess, how nervous most people were living around here through the summer and fall um, because of all of the questions about what will this next year hold. I can remember being asked, meeting with a group of pastors in China this summer, they're like, about the American election, what do you think? Ay, ay, ay. I taught them something new. I said, I think it's kind of a shoot me or stab me kind of a thing. <laughs> they seem to enjoy that, actually. Like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, clearly, often just from people to people, I would ask a question, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I don't even know what happened. Um, here we are. But it, it dawned on me, particularly as uh, thinking through talking to our church family at the beginning of this, uh, of this annual year, that what will the next year hold is not the right question. It's who holds the next year. And I know that. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. I still don't know what's going to happen. But I do know that. The right question is not what. The right question is who. We're going to focus in Isaiah chapter 40 in verses 27 to the end of that chapter. But I'm going to begin reading just to set the stage for us in verse 10. You can follow along or just listen along. Whichever way helps you get the point the most. Behold, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd, and he will gather lambs into his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. Who is measured? Who? Not what? Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and, and, and enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in the balance? Who has all the seas in the little pocket of his hand? Who said, you want to know how big the universe is? That big. Who knows the exact weight of all matter and all of creation? God's like, I, I know that. We don't. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord and, or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are, are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not be sufficient for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for burnt offering. All the nations are 
All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compares with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and the goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it in silver chains. He was too impoverished for an offering, chooses wood that will not rot. I don't know why he knows which end of the board that he found was God and the the other one was firewood. I, I hope he didn't get it wrong. Burn God and keep the firewood. Verse 21, do you not know, do you not hear, has it not been told you from the beginning, have you not understood from the foundations of the earth, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshopper, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, who spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither. And the tempest carries them all off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number. How many stars are there, God? God says, I got that. I don't know what, I don't know what the number is. God says, I, exactly. Calling them all by name. Feel sorry for anybody in the crowd who paid for, like, want to name a star? Did you ever hear that on the radio? Like, want to name a star? You're all naming the same star, and God says, no. I already named it. It's Bob. Sorry. (laughs) Knows all the names. Isn't that incredible? Let's go to our text. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint nor grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As we look at this next year, any year, the next day, the next week, the question again is not what, it's who. Let's remember this morning a few things out of this these few verses that I read there at the end that are self-evident. They don't require a lot of explanation. That doesn't mean I won't try to explain way too much. It's an affliction I have, but uh, you'll bear with me. 
We need, rather than being so worried, I mean, on a human level, do we have reason on human level? Do you have reason to be worried? Are you breathing? Am I bald? Are you in church? Well, of course. We have all kinds of reasons to be worried. Because if it's up to us and the people we see and hear and know and those that are in charge, if our future is in their hands, we're toast. Straight up. We have no hope. But the power and wisdom and authority and dominion of men is it's less than nothing. It impresses us. It intimidates us. To God, it's less than nothing. When we remember God's power, remembering God's power, that's what we should be focusing on this year. Uh, he, he talks here, and I, I read the verses here in verse, the verse here in verse 28. Um, he emphasizes the extent of his power. He's eternal, not limited by time. I don't know which one in your family is like the most worried about time, like being on time. Me. Um, but my, my wife is worried about the other, th- she's worried about all the things that I don't worry about. Cause like, yeah, whenever. Because I, I have the, well, whenever. And, 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 and her worry covers that part for sure. God is timeless. He's not limited by time. He's not like, oh, missed the deadline. Oh, stink. What can I do? Never late. Never early. I think that's a little sad. I think early is good. Never panicked. Never in a hurry. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is eternal. He's the one and only creator. This is very important. He's not limited by space or power. As creator, as creator, he has all power as ability. Obviously, the, there's, there's the ability power, and then the, there's the authority power. But if he, he's got both. All authority and all power. All ability. He made it. He made it with a word. God said, let there be and there was. Straight up, that's it. And one day, on his word, it will come completely apart at the subatomic level and just be gone. Because he said so. He's the creator. He never faints, fails, or grows weary. His strength is never frustrated or exhausted. So if God's not doing it for you, it's not because he's lost the ability or you were too late in line and sorry, used it all up. Really, come, next, come tomorrow morning, I'll be ready for you by then. It's not how God rolls. 
If he is not visibly working in your life now, it's not because he's too tired or too weak. What it is is because what he says next in that text, his understanding is unsearchable. His understanding is beyond human ability to grasp. So if he's not working in your life right now in a way that you can see, it's because he's smart and he's wise. He loves you, but he knows if he gives you what you're asking the way you're asking it right now, it wouldn't be good. So he loves you. He's smart enough to know what's good, and he loves you enough to not give it you the wrong, no matter how much we whine or cry or kind of insinuate um, a lack of care on his part. He, he works. His ability is beyond our ability to comprehend. We remember that in Romans 8.28, right? Forcing all things to work together for our good. We remember that when we think about um, such stories as Joseph. As you, at the end, you remember, he says to his brothers, you meant it for evil, right? What comes after that? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Not late, not early, right on time. Can't frustrate God. And his plan is crazy good. Does it always look good? Nope. Does it always feel good? Nope. But it always is good. Because he is good. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? So, his power, the extent of it is beyond our ability to understand. We believe it, we glory in it, we don't understand it. It's a good thing we don't understand it, because then it'd have to be small enough to fit in your head. Not mentioning the size of your head or anything. <laughs> But that, that would be a very small God that could fit into the size of our heads, right? You don't want a God that big. Actually, sometimes we do. Because we, we want to understand him. We'd like him to get our permission. Or at least tip us off ahead of time what he's going to do. He's too big. How does he use this great power? This is interesting. He gives the power to... Who does he give it to? What's the text say? He gives the power to the faint, the weak. I don't know how many times you said this. I know I say it lots of times. Okay, how many of you talk to your television? <laughs> Especially sports, you talk to your television, and then the news, like, well, I was good. Like, shouldn't say shut up in church. So, so I typically don't, but I do say it sitting at home listening to the news. Okay which is crazy because I have the power to actually make them shut up and just turn them off. <laughs> it dawns on me after a little bit, like, hey, just turn them off. <laughs> he gives, there's a saying, uh, the rich get richer. It's like, aren't you, oh, I'm so happy for that bazillionaire. He just got some more. Oh, I was praying he would. Uh, <laughs> well, 
I can sleep tonight now. <laughs> I was a little worried for him. He didn't have enough money. Um, in God's life here with us, he doesn't give his great power to the powerful. They see no need of it. They won't receive it. But he gives his power to the faint, to the one who is, whose strength is spent, who is exhausted, who is about to fail. I love to hunt, so this one's going to work for me. Uh, to the person who's out of bullets. It's like, uh, I got nothing. I'm spent. I got nothing. That's who he gives his strength to. He says here, because he uses the same uh, word, it's, it's always a little bit different in our English translations on purpose, I suppose, for variety. So even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall fail, exhausted. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. This is certainly true when it comes to our salvation. Jesus, uh, you understand how I say this, please. Um, you got to think of me. Jesus couldn't save the Pharisees as a whole, right? I mean, that sounds a little theological, but he could. Why couldn't he save the Pharisees? Pretend this is like a Bible study, you could say something now. Yeah. Why couldn't he save the Pharisees? I heard the answer in error. Everybody's been quiet. I heard you're not a quiet church, and, and you're making it. You're making a liar out of your past senior pastor. <laughs> Why couldn't he save the Pharisees? They wouldn't trust him. Why didn't they trust him? They trusted themselves. They didn't need him. Jesus said, I can't, I came to, a physician comes to heal the sick. Remember the man born blind? He says, as long as you say, I see, your sin remains, Right? So if you're ever going to see Jesus in heaven, you're going to have to see yourself as absolutely without merit and value in yourself, in your church, in your righteousness, which are filthy rags. You're going to have to see yourself as completely powerless, which seems nobody likes to feel powerless, do we? We hate not being able to do and care for ourselves. But the truth is, they're the only people that get God's strength. The people who understand that they don't know anything in themselves are only people who get to live with the benefit of God's wisdom. Otherwise, you get to live with the benefit of your wisdom, which is an oxymoron, because you don't have any wisdom. Right? I mean, that's the truth. You don't have it. Neither do I. It's how it works. So he gives, he gives salvation to those, he gives salvation to the damned. We were born damned. We lived damned. Until God's grace opened our eyes to our sin and his greatness. He gives his power even to save us and forgive us of our sins. He can only save sinners. The bad news is you're a sinner. The good news is Jesus loves sinners. And sinners are the only people we can save. If you think you're all that, you're going to spend eternity without Jesus. 
He'll give salvation to any man, woman, boy, or girl who admits their complete inability, their utter sinfulness, and they ask Jesus to be theirs. Same thing is true, though, for believers. If I got this, and I know this, and I've been in this discipleship thing, and I've been to seminary, I've been here and there, God bless for all those things, and I think I've got this, and I know how to run this, and um, that doesn't work either, even for our Christian lives. Um, Paul, in um, 2 Corinthians, a very familiar passage of Scripture, um, made this very clear. Um, you remember uh, he said that he saw and heard many things by divine revelation that he couldn't tell anybody. And in order for Paul not then to become overwhelmed with pride and become self-reliant because he would have known more and seen more than anybody on the earth, so he would have been the most... Uh, aware, insightful, and informed man on the face of the earth. What did God give him? A thorn. A perpetual, painful reminder that, Paul, you got nothing but me. That's what you got. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. When Paul was begging him, a lot of our prayers, we're begging God to remove our weakness. Are we not? I am all the time. All the time. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Anybody like being weak? I hate it. I, I, I still hate it. I know it's good for me. I know it's glorious and great. Then God gets to do what he does, and he does stuff way better than me. It's hard to embrace our weakness. It was hard for Paul. He did not go quietly into the night. He argued with God about this. He begged him over three long seasons of debate with God on the, on the wisdom of this. Therefore... I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. He doesn't say he likes them. That's because you're not allowed to lie in the Bible. Um, <laughs> unless God's recording you lying to point out you're a sinner, but you're not supposed to lie. And so he says, I'm not going to, I don't love this. I am content with weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, I don't know what's going You still don't know what's going to happen, no matter who got elected. Okay, so we now we know who got elected, okay? Uh, I'm trying to be neutral here. Um, it's probably oozing out. You probably already know, but uh, I'm trying to be neutral. But the bottom line is, who, who knows? Okay, so we know who got elected. Do we, know, do we know what's going to happen now? No. I have no idea. So what should I cling to? What should I hold to? I know this. Our gracious, eternal God is all-powerful. He's got this. It's who, not what. What he does now at the very end of this is 
we can remember his great power, but he calls us to remember a very lower shelf, right where we live, necessary and gracious promise. He says in verse 30, Even youths shall faint and be weary. Even the strongest of the strong young men and young women are going to uh, run out of strength. Young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Now these are familiar verses. But let's just take a little time here. We have a few minutes left. Let's just take a little time to understand what he's saying. Okay? Okay, this promise is to a specific people. He designates the specific people as those who wait on the Lord. Well, what's he talking about, wait on the Lord? Like, come on, come on, that, that's me. Um, come on, and waiting for the Lord, right? That's, that's waiting for the Lord. A- actually, no. Waiting for the Lord, those who wait on the Lord means to wait for, trust in, look for, hope in, continue in, to endure, and waiting for them to do what they said they're going to do with eager anticipation. It's the one who endures patiently with a quiet confidence. I, this is a silly, silly uh, illustration, but I was just traveling lately, so it's one that came to mind. Okay, so you come, your flight comes in, you get your stuff, you get out, you get to the little thing, get your, your suitcase, you get out in front of the airport, and you wait. Now, if you're waiting there and you're talking to a guy like, Who you wait? who's picking you up? Who's picking you up? And if the guy said, I have no idea. Oh, I'm just going to wait here, hoping somebody, hope, hope so. Okay, now, you're, you're not that foolish, so you actually have somebody coming for you. Hopefully a reliable person. Okay, so you're waiting, but you're not particularly worried because you have, well, unless it's Bob, okay, Sorry, if your name's Bob, my middle name's Bob, just picking a name. Okay, but if it's reliable guy or girl, girls can be reliable. Um, maybe they're more reliable, they just don't drive as fast. Okay. I know you do, and, and I, I like that about you if you do. Okay. But if you know they're coming, if I know who's there, then, and I know he's coming for me. I'm, I'm still might be watching the time because I deformed that way. <clears throat> but I, I just, I'm going to be waiting because I know he'll be here. I'm just looking down there, continue to look down there because I recognize I know what vehicle they're going to drive. So I'm waiting with confidence. That's the idea, to wait with confidence. But that that illustration doesn't give us the whole picture because the idea of wait is just not sit there and look at your watch. It's to continue to be busy about what you've been assigned to do. Uh, So um, it's used uh, in um, the Gospels. Jesus said, blessed is that servant who when he comes, the Lord finds him so doing. That's the idea of waiting on the Lord. It is, I stay busy, confident. I mean, God's got his stuff. He's got this. He's got the craziness of our, he's got the craziness of our immediate culture. He's got the craziness of our country. He's got the craziness of the world. God's got this. And he said, he's got this and he's going to fix it out. He's going to work it all together for my good. He's good. He's coming again and, and that's going to be good. And so, okay, so I, he's got this. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to wait. 
which doesn't mean sit idly by, but I, I should be doing what he left me here to do until he shows up. I know he's coming. I'm not worried about that. And in the meantime, I'm to be living a life of everyday, simple, it's not easy, but uncomplicated. What did, he, what did he tell me to do? What should I do with my life? What did he tell me to do? Love him. Love the children of God. I'm married. Love my wife. Love my kids. Share the gospel with my neighbor. Tell the truth. Pay my taxes. Just not, not deeds of legalism, just obedience. Serve the Lord. Trust him. Live life, doing what he said to do until he gets there, and will I be done when he gets it? Well, you know what? When it gets here, you're done. Right? And, and will you be done all that you think you should have gotten done? No. He's not, he is not really worried about, I, I've got to wait longer because my plans will not go on well unless you get it done for me. Your service it's more about you trusting, growing, and becoming like Christ than getting anything done for God that he can't get done without you. He'll be, he'll, his work would be fine without you. God can handle it. Not like, boy, if you, just, if you don't pull your thing, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Holy Spirit, what do you think? I'm not sure. <laughs> you're going to you're gonna have to pull a little more weight here because Bob's not doing it. Um, service grows me. It demonstrates faith and trust. It blesses God. It blesses his people, but he doesn't need my service. So, real quickly now, since um, buying a little extra time. I um, haven't paid for it yet, but I'm going to have to buy it. So, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Here's what's cool about that. You don't necessarily see it right away. Literally, they will exchange their strength for God's strength. That's a win. <laughs> I mean, right? So if, if I, in my weakness, will just, okay, he's coming. He says, this is right, this will work. It doesn't look like this works. It's, this is not getting me ahead. This is digging a hole deeper. But this is what he said to do. So I'm going to wait here in day-to-day, -day active, loving obedience to my Savior. He's got this. And he says, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to exchange my strength for your strength. You get to live life with mine. They will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will rise above all the threatening catastrophes. They will run and not be weary. You're going to have to run. You're going to still have to do. You're going to still have to show up. We're going to still have to labor. And it's going to seem like you're almost out of gas and you're almost, but you won't. You will not, like the widows who, who's, whose little pitcher of oil never stopped. And a little bit of flour never stopped. It's going to be like, I'm out of bullets. I'm, I don't got anything left. And just, no, a little bit more. And, and so as long as I'm living this life, I will never run out. And, and, and I, I, but I still got to run. God's going to do this. I still have to run. I'll walk, but I won't, I won't collapse and faint and fail. I won't be destroyed. I will have to walk. I will have to keep, make progress. That's what he wants me to do while I'm waiting. By his grace, I can... I can't do anything without his grace, but, but by his grace, I can do that. I can keep walking. I can keep running. Can't win the race, but I can keep running. I can, uh, I can keep admitting to him my weakness and letting him exchange my strength for his. I win. 
Um, when we change, when we trade, when we trade strength, I win. I don't know what's going to happen this year. I don't know what's going to happen next week. Every day, I'm every several times a day, I turn on my little, my either my laptop or my my little iPad thing, and it's like, okay, push. I won't tell you which news agency I go to, <laughs> but it's not CNN. <laughs> and I push that, and it's like, now what? <laughs> it changed like every five minutes. Now what? Holy moly! Oh, maybe it'll be fine. Oh my! I was feeling really good to the last click. Isaiah 43, with this we'll close. But thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When, not if, when you pass through the waters, I will, I'll take you out of them. Does it say that? No. I will be with you. I wish there were no waters to go through. That's not on the menu. We're going through deep waters. But Jesus says, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. It's going to look like it. Not going to happen. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He's got it. So we rejoice today because we have no idea what this year holds. But we are absolutely certain of who holds it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for confidence and hope. Thank you for your trust and kindness to let us serve you. Thank you for your utter reliability, strength, and power. Thank you when we admit our weakness, we get to exchange our weakness for your strength. Father, we love you. Amen.